Hey gang, welcome back to another week. I say week, but that would imply that we do this every week um, of the Hey Gang podcast. So I'm here with Pastor Chad and Pastor Brian. My name is Sean from Mogginsville Church in Mogginsville, Maryland. Um, and it seems like we say this every time, but man, it's been a while since we've done one of these, huh? Well, we ought to try the every other month approach. Maybe. <laughs> well, our last one we did was on resolutions and we obviously broke ours by not being consistent. So once oh, nice. again, defeat. Well, we did also have like Easter and it's kind of a big deal around the church. And upward. We had upward. Mm. Upward. The last Good one times. was in the middle of upward. Yep. Good times. Hmm. Well, hey, uh, Pastor Chad, Pastor Brian, you guys just finished a sermon series called Revealed where we went through the book of John and talked about how God reveals himself to us through that book, and we are starting a new one this week, um, and it is about discipleship. Pastor Chad, why don't you give us a quick synopsis on what you're going to be talking about? Mm, yeah, right on. So obviously at the church, discipleship is a huge part of what we do, and our core value is radical discipleship, which just a brief synopsis we've defined is um, when vulnerable people spend time together uh, committed to following Jesus Christ and making disciple makers. And, you know, as a pastor, often you'll preach and you'll say, okay, go make disciples. And every now and then somebody's brave enough to come up to you and say, agree with you, but how, how do I make a disciple? What do I do? Nobody disciple me. What do I do? So that's what we want to handle with this series. We're going to call it directions for life. It's about discipleship. Um, and it's going to start within and then move out. So as we begin it this week, we're going to talk about our personal discipleship. How do you uh, responsible for yourself follow Jesus? And then the following week, we'll talk about what does that mean for your household after that? What does it mean for our congregation and then beyond our congregation into the community? Uh, but just directions for how to live a life. We've been recreated in the image of Christ. So how do we live that out and how do we take his mission to seek and save the least and the last and the lost? Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where we're heading in May. Cool. Um, so that was, we kind of want to tag along with that uh, for this episode of the podcast and just kind of touch base with like, all right, cool discipleship. Uh, like, what does that look like? Chad, you talked this morning in our, our staff meeting about the idea of like, does that mean that we have a Bible study every dinner, every night at dinner mm -hmm. or like, you know, so this week we're gonna we're talk about discipling ourselves, and the next week is discipling our family. Like, so what what does that look like? So we kind of figured we jump into that and tag onto that a little bit here uh, with this episode of the podcast. So, discipling ourselves, what how does that work? I think it's a great time for Pastor Brian to jump in. <laughs> yes, it looks different for everyone. Uh, I think uh, for years the church has had this cookie cutter mentality of we all fit one mold, but we're all different people. And that's not the case. We are different. So therefore it looks different. But a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, what about devotions? Simple question is, do you even do them? Hmm. And the fact that you do them, that's what matters. Doesn't matter if you pull out a devotional book. It doesn't matter if you open up your Bible and read just the fact that you're getting in God's word. That's what matters. Um, not so much getting hung up on the tool, but are you doing it? And then I also think with prayer, uh, do you have a prayer life? If not, 
Uh, it's assisting people to understand what prayer is, why we pray, how you pray, uh, doing that. And here's the other thing that's big. I was just having this conversation with someone today. Vulnerability. We as a church have always said we want people to be held accountable and be vulnerable, yet we've created throughout the years this, I always want to call it, I guess, a culture of where we want everyone to put their mask on and come in like they have it all together. And Whoa, they're... Brian, the mandate has been lifted. Oh, uh, yeah. It's your mask is optional. Yeah, well, we've been, we've been wearing masks for a long time in church, and I think we have all have our different masks we wear, but I get where you're going with that, and I like it. Um, but anyways... So you have to be vulnerable, meaning you have to seek accountability. Part of personal discipleship is it's not meant to live just on your own. None of us are good enough to do it on our own. So who are the people in my life that I can ask to pour into me, hold me accountable, pray for me, uh, give me some direction in life. And so I think that's where it begins uh, because you can't take care of your family, can't take care of your church or reach your community until you take care of you and deal with you. So let me, let me back up a hot second. Um, so we did this series uh, with our youth group about how to be a disciple. So let's start at the very beginning. Like what, what is a disciple? Cause I think that's another church word that we've taken and we've turned it into strictly 12 guys that followed around Jesus and did things with him. But like what, what is a disciple? Oh, it's a follower of Jesus. And you know, Jesus uses the term that we've translated follow me, but it, it's not necessarily walk in the same footsteps, but it's follow how I live. Um, for Jesus, it was follow and imitate how I have a relationship with the father, follow and imitate and do what I do and say what I say and trust God in the way I trust him as I live my life. And I think, you know, I think the biggest struggle for, for discipleship is especially those of us who have come to know Christ later in life. It's like, all right, well, I've lived like 32 years or 41 years or 50 some years. And you're telling me now to do it. How, truly, like, how do I start? I think it's often the, the hardest part of any kind of journey or the hardest part of any kind of change you want to make in your life, whether it's the to go to the gym for the first time or to try to eat different or, um, you know, if you, you want to read the Bible, even just that that first time doing it, it's so difficult to get something going. And I think it's probably one of the biggest obstacles for uh, for folks in our church is, okay, I get it. Take discipleship serious. Follow Jesus. Imitate Jesus. Uh, love the Father like Jesus loved the Father. Uh, where do I start? And I think that's what we're hoping to that's what we're hoping to do. So we have, so I'm going to throw it back to you, Pastor Brian. I want you to explain like, what is our philosophy? We've spent some time as elders coming up with a philosophy of especially children's ministry. Um, can you just touch on that? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of times throughout, you know, I grew up in the church. I mean, I always joked that as soon as I was born a week later, I was like playing with a mobile uh, in the, the crib there at the church. But looking back, I had some great experiences. But what the church did was create silos. So when a family walked into church on a Sunday morning, the parents went to class. Kid A went to their class. Kid B went to their class. And Kid C went to their class. And none shall they ever meet until afterwards. And, and Those are all awful names for your children, C. by the way. Well, they couldn't figure out what to name them. So it was just Kid A, B, and C. Um, and they sometimes they, they got out of order. Were they Pentecostal? Maybe. 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 <laughs> Um, but anyways, throughout the years being a pastor, but then also being a parent and a husband, there's more to it. And 
rather than separate families, how do we bring families together? And so what we've created here and what we believe is, is yes, we want to reach kids. We want to have kids ministries and all those things that come with it. But we want to equip families. We want to teach families how to reach their kids. Because when you look in the Bible, it's not the mission of the church to disciple the kids. It's the families. It starts with parents. And like you said earlier, we've done a poor job of the application and the how. So that's where we're, we're saying, whoa, let's hit the brakes. Let's go back and let's teach uh, you know parents how to, first of all, take care of themselves, take care of their spouses, but then their families, like their kids. And how do you pour into your kids? How do you learn to ask questions? Um, it's more than just praying at dinner time, but it's it's having that every day, uh, I guess you want to say philosophy, but approach to life to where I'm looking for the opportunities to teach my kids, to pray with my kids, to encourage my kids, to grow my kids. Uh, I'm not dependent on the church to do it. There's what, 168 hours in a week. And if we're relying on an hour on a Wednesday night, and I'll be gracious, an hour and a half, and maybe the same on a Saturday, Sunday, that's three hours tops. That's nothing when you look at 168 hours. You multiply that out. If a kid came to every service, that's still only 150 hours of their year. That's not going to cut it. So we have to give parents the tools and resources and training to how they can do it at home. Mm-hmm. So, You know, it's funny. Actually, when you, you look at what Jesus did, he sets this model. And every pastor has said this in every sermon on Matthew 28, but the the words and the emphasis, the imperative when and when he says go and make disciples, the imperative is make disciples and it's actually passive. So it's as you're going make disciples. And so what Jesus was doing is he didn't go, hey guys, meet me uh, up in the fields in Galilee at five o'clock. We're going to have a Bible study on the soils. Uh, as they were walking through the fields in Galilee, he goes, hey, look, let me teach you a lesson about who God is and who humanity is by using what we're doing right now. And I think that's the important part is having a perspective of who God is so that as your kids and as your spouses and even as your parents, some of us disciple our parents, that, that whoever you're discipling, that you look at every situation from a biblical worldview and then you explain, hey, listen, this matters because this is who God is and this is what God's doing in this particular situation or this is what we can learn from God or this is what we can expect from God. And it happens best as you're living life, not at these scheduled seven o'clock. You know, it's not like seven o'clock on Wednesday is a much holier hour than two o'clock on a Tuesday. Um, it's when we can all gather and we do have to have those times. Uh, but when we're talking about personal discipleship and family discipleship, which are the first two focuses in the next two weeks, it really has to be all of your experiences in life with your family, with your spouse, with your kids. What does God think about this? What should we think about this? That's man. That's discipleship. Um, that that's really where a big part of it starts. And you know, we had this awesome vote yesterday, right? So I was so excited for our church council. Um, the elders and the official board came up with this person, uh, this position uh, for a kid's discipleship director. Um, and so I was so thrilled last night. So proud of the congregation that they approved the financing for it so we could get it started before the next budget year and try to find this person in July. Uh, Brian, what's this person going to do? First thing they're going to do is they're going to come in, look at our kids ministry and find ways that we can reach kids in an effective way that adapts to our culture. Uh, I think one of the things you hit on earlier subtly was, you know, we have to rethink how we do church. Uh, Jesus 
taught as he went. He didn't say, come to this place and meet, as you alluded to. Instead, where are, where are people at? How can we equip our people to go where they're at? So when we look at our, our families, oh my goodness, we have kids who come from what we would say nuclear families. They have a mom and daddy come here. I mean, we have a lot of kids from our community that show up that they're just here. Like we've never even met their parents, but they come here. So how do we reach all those kids? And so this person will be looking for natural ways that we reach those kids, we reach our community. Then once we get them in here, we, we work with them, we teach them. But here's the best part. We see this as a way to train parents. And so part of the responsibilities is, is equipping and training parents on how to disciple their kids, uh, things that they can do. So we're going to be cultivating that culture of parent discipleship as well as church discipleship. How do we get other people involved being small group leaders or working with the next generations? Uh, you know, you always hear about the church of tomorrow. And as I alluded to our, our church yesterday, it's, they're the church of today. If we don't reach them today, they're going to lose interest and not be here tomorrow. And uh, so we're going to be teaching kids, training kids, but we're also going to be training and teaching their parents and how they can be more effective, um, you know, outside of these walls and not leaning on us, but, you know, that they can do it in their car. They can do it as they walk to school. They can do it as they sit and have a meal together at a restaurant or wherever it may be. But discipleship can take place at any time, anywhere. I think too that it's important that we recognize that <clears throat> like before, like I remember, I grew up in the church as well. And when you hear this word disciple, automatically you think of these 12 guys that were perfect because Jesus called them out and they followed him and they did everything right. And now you start growing up and you hear this word of being discipled and, you know, how all together you need to have it before you can disciple somebody else or like, <clears throat> but then you actually start looking at, at these disciples. Um, they were not quite all put together like everybody thinks they were. Ah, man, they weren't perfect. You know, we talked yesterday about Peter and his three-time denial and then how Jesus restores him. And I didn't have time to get into it, but I love the fact that um, Peter was just, he was so broken. When Jesus restored his brokenness, right? Three times, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Repeat, repeat. All of a sudden then Peter's like, cool, glad we're restored. Um, let me show you my brokenness again. Um, how's John going to die? If you told me how I'm going to die, how's John going to die? Like that is what uh, I think that's part of what we have to understand what discipleship is. Discipleship is following Jesus failing often, but his grace continues to sustain us. Not that we should seek to fail, not that we desire to fail, but our brokenness and our humanity is going to make us fail and he doesn't give up on us. He still keeps calling us and I think a great way to like help yourself is you've got Jesus there who's mentoring Peter and then Peter's going to turn around and mentor others in, in especially in acts. I think in our discipleship, I think we should try to find a way to place ourselves with somebody who is going to be discipling us, but then also that we're discipling someone else so that we get put in the middle. We're being poured into and we're pouring out uh, when it comes to our walk with Jesus. So yeah, disciples, you know, they weren't, they were anything but a perfect bunch of people. They were a bunch of yahoos like us. Well, yeah, and I was, I mean, that was kind of where I was going. Is if, if we, if we all sit around and we wait until we think that we're good enough to start discipling somebody else, nobody else is going to get discipled. Yeah. Ever. I mean, even just sharing your own testimony, like, and look, your testimony doesn't have to be something that they can make a lifetime movie out of for it to be good. You know, your testimony can be, Hey, Jesus has delivered me from sin and death. And that's enough and lonely that that right there is enough to share your story. And that's that's the beginning of discipleship. Um, 
and and just doing it intentionally is what we're looking for though. Like we want people who are spending time with other people with the purpose of using whatever got them together, whether it's Wednesday night prayer group or whether it's a double header at the ballpark on Wednesday night that they are intentionally spending time with people to reflect the character of God to them uh, so that people are transformed by the spirit, fall in love with Jesus and start following Jesus in word, deed and thought. All right. So there it is. The elephant in the room. Discipleship is not a program. It's relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and let's be honest, you know, going back to what Sean said about growing up in the church and what things look like, dude, if the church nailed this years ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We failed. And, and I say that because I can't tell you how many times I've been with a group of people and we're talking about this topic and I say, okay, fine. How many of you were discipled? And inevitably it's always less than five hands. And that's probably being gracious at times. We always felt like we did a good job because, you know, like maybe someone accepted Christ. We gave them a Bible and they kept coming to church because that was the expectation, but they never grew because no one ever taught them what it meant. And then all of a sudden there's this black, you know, hole or chasm that exists after graduation because we pumped up youth groups so much. And then we're like, where all the college kids go? Where are they at? Why are they not here? Because we've never given them a reason to stick around because we didn't teach them the importance of the Bible and discipleship. And, And it's such a battle that, you know, we always want to look back. If everything was so good at what we did before, then we'd still be doing it because we'd be making disciples. And I don't know. I think a lot of times what we made were decisions and not disciples. Mm, yeah. You know, I actually was discipled. I truly am one of the rare ones. Um, for, for a time I lived um, when I was home from college, holidays and weekends, I would live with my aunt, and my uncle and my uncle, Tom, was just a phenomenal follower of Jesus. And every night was a different time, but every night at the end of the day, we'd sit down, we'd have a cup of coffee or maybe, you know, glass of wine. um, And he would just ask like, how was your day? What did you do today? And then he would just intentionally point out like, okay, well, this is where God moved in your day. This is what God thought about your day. Or you'd even pose the questions to me. How do you think you could handle that decision differently or but it was real intentional. He sat down with me every night that I that I was staying at his house and we talked about God. He didn't always crack open the Bible and be like, all right, read Philippians two and then tell me something about it. It was hey, what are you wrestling with? All right, well, let's figure out what God thinks and then eventually you'd be like, well, I, I, let's find somewhere in the Bible where God does address this. Um, and that man, that was just such a blessing in my life. And that that took me from zero relationship with God to considering uh, what God's thinking about everything I'm doing and thinking and how to reflect it. And yeah, so. it would. I want to tag on to that. Like in high school, I actually had one of our student leaders or well, I shouldn't say student leaders, student staff members uh, who I met with for accountability um, and it was good. But then when I went to college, uh, it was really cool how God worked it out. There was a local pastor who was supposed to teach myself and a couple other guys in like a elective class. The other guys quit showing up and it was just he and I and it became a three-year discipleship relationship. And it's what I needed because I grew up in a split family and this pastor had grown up in a split family. And it was awesome because what he did one day is he's like, hey, we're going to go on a ride and we, sh- we show up at this house and I've never been to this house before. And we ring the doorbell and this mom answers and out walks two kids. And I'm like, what are we doing? He's like, now it's your turn. These boys don't have a dad. Mm. 
And that's when it hit me, like discipleship is all about relationships. It's about, you know, earlier we alluded to the brokenness of the disciples. You know, there's people you can reach, Chad and Sean, that I can't reach because of experiences in your life and vice versa. And so I think it's, we realize the mess that we have in our lives, that, that the beauty of, you know, how God's taken us and brought us up through it. And that's where we're used to affect people of that nature. So we sell ourselves short when we're like, I don't have anything to offer. You don't have to memorize the Bible to disciple someone. It's taking what you know and living out in an effective way and encouraging someone else to grow in it. It's really a simple thing, but we've made it so complex. Like, well, no, you have to know this, this, and you don't. Jesus says, he doesn't say go and make disciples when you do A, B, C, D, and E. He just says, go and be faithful, love people, love me and grow people. Mm-hmm. So you guys have, have given me two thoughts uh, with, with what you've been talking about. And the first one is, you guys both had a one-on-one close relationship with somebody that you talked to in person and not through the keys of your iPhone. Like I'm old. iPhone wasn't even a <laughs> glimmer in the eye of, I don't know, Steve Jobs yet. Dude, when we were in college. You had to actually pull a little antenna up. Yeah, it was you, in a bag and, and talk and you got and like 14 minutes car. a month. Oh, man. <laughs> and then every eighth word you heard, it would be yep. caught. But but I okay. think it I think and not to not to get all conspiracy theory on everybody, mm-hmm. but it points to the 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 world is trying to to create this this mindset in our younger people that their phones are how they communicate with everyone, and it's completely created this disconnect when it comes to actually communicating with another human being. Well, uh, yeah, and let's let's be honest. As much as we have all disagreements, one of the beauties of when we walked through COVID lockdown, whatever name you want to give to it. Everyone thought, oh, the kids will be resilient. They're going to sit at home on their computers and they're going to do all their education. We found out really quick they hated it. Mm. Like they craved relationships. They missed their friends. They missed their teachers even. Um, We are meant to have relationships. And so that's the importance of, you know, that one-on-one time or even small group is people want relationships. That's what everything is based. So go all the way back to Genesis based on relationships from creation to man and woman. It's, it's about relationships. That's the first time God said it wasn't good. Yeah. Right? We, right. We were looking at this story. It was so fun. Thursday. I had a bunch of the preschool kids playing in the gym and we did story time. Right. And going through like, hey, let's talk about what creation was like. And we did oh light and it was good. You know, a sky, uh, a sky and earth and it was good. And so we got to day six and, and, um, one of the little kids yelled out, it was good. I'm like, no, it wasn't good. Actually, God said, this is not good. And it was not good because man was alone. And we are truly, if we're truly made in God's likeness, God is in relationship, father, son, and Holy spirit. And so if we're in his likeness, we have to be in relationship. Yep. The, the, the most unlike God we can ever be is in isolation. So that's why here in Morganville, it's so important for our understanding of discipleship is that vulnerable people, meaning I'm willing to let you get to know me without you beating me up. Vulnerable people spending time together. Yeah, yeah, that's that's who we are. It's just it's crazy to think that that some of the best technological advances that have made communication so easy have killed communication. <laughs> Like it's so easy to pick up your phone and text somebody or shoot them a message, but the actual, we've lost that, that actual human interaction and communication. But so the other thing I wanted to, to touch on real quick is, is, you know, Brian, you kind of talked about it a second, but you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just an old person and, and I have nothing to give and these kids don't want to talk to me anyways. So I'm going to let everybody else do this whole discipleship thing and I'll, I'll keep sitting back and supporting the church. Yeah. And that, that's the downfall is that, 
we set it up that you have to fit a certain mold. And the beauty is we all have a story. I remember years ago, I was uh, serving at a church and my staff said, um, my volunteer staff, why would, why would we do this? So what we did was a whole series where they each taught and shared their story. And it was awesome to watch as kids connect it with them. Cause I'm like, look, you know, this guy had this in his background. I didn't. So now he has this connection with these four kids in our youth group because he's walked through what they're walking through or vice versa. God takes whatever you have and he uses it. And that, that's a conversation I was just having with someone. They, you know, someone came up and was like, hey, will you mentor me? And they're like, wait, why should it be me? And I said, because obviously God knows this person's walking through something that you've already walked through and he needs you to be there for them. I don't know what that is, but he does. Mm. So walk with them and you'll see it. So I, I highly doubt that Mr. Leonard Hurst will ever listen to this podcast unless somebody <laughs> shows it to him. But one of the, the highlights of my last like five years of my life was when he showed up to our men's retreat last weekend. Now, to be fair, we almost killed him, making him hike all over the mountain. Oh, so I heard it was the other way around. You guys almost died. I said, you guys almost died. His words are too much keyboard. That was definitely, walking. That was definitely him. Oh, man. That's funny. We, we were all kind of worried about him. Pictures from a mobile camera buggy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just, I mean, we like the, the craziest thing is like we're up at like 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and Leonard, 80-year-old man, sitting around the fire, still with us, just talking about everything that he's seen, everything he's experienced. And here we are, a bunch of twenty-year-old guys, twenties, thirties-year-old guys. Like we're just like we like we could have stayed up all night and just talked to this guy about it. Well, that's discipleship, and I think that's where we have to. That's where we have to look at ourselves, and we have to say, okay, the way we used to, the way we used to think discipleship was, that was okay, but it's also okay to think differently about it. And so to be on a men's retreat and to stay up around a fire, that is as much making a disciple as showing up at a Sunday school class at 9 a.m. and sitting at a desk. Um, again, it's, it's, it's relationship with the intention of making disciples. It's, you know, there was this relational discipleship model maybe 15 years ago, and it wasn't very good. It was the idea of, I want to be everybody's friend and eventually I'll get an opportunity to go down Romans road with them, right? But the idea was I have to be in relationships first. Where it failed is it said I have to wait for the opportunity and then do like an altar call with them. The best way discipleship happens is to take it that next step. I'm going to spend time. So when I got my kids in the car, when I got my brother in the car, when I got my wife in the car, when I'm talking to my parents on the phone and they're like, hey, how was your day? Oh man, it was great. Um, went to the doctor. I had a healthy checkup. Awesome. Like what's God's role in that? Like how has God helped? How has God moved or went to the doctor and it was an awful. Now I got this disease. Okay. What's God's role in that? Like what's God think? What can we learn about God? I, I think as long as we're intentional that we have relationships intentionally pointing each other towards God, you don't need a Bible degree. Nope. You don't, you don't need, you know, you don't need training in it. Um, now as a church, what we want to do is provide those things to help. But some of the guys I know, and it, it, it tends to be dads. They're like, I don't even know where to start. It's like this. Ask your kid how his day was. And then what? Ask him how their day was. They'll answer. And as you're talking to them, you will see and the Holy Spirit will give you opportunities to intercede and go, hmm, was that Christ like? I mean, you don't even have to pay attention. Just ask them, was it Christ like? And that'll throw them off and get them talking about God on its own. So, I, but it does have to have this mindset of I want to find, 
I'm just going to take time wherever it is. If my kids are buried in a computer when they bring their head up, then then we're going to talk about their day and what was God's role in it. And so, and Brian, you've you've alluded to this a couple times before too. Of just like when you ask your kids how was your day and they say good, like that's where the conversation ends. Yeah, we accept that way too often. And then it's like, well, why was it good? Or what is something you learned today that you didn't know yesterday? Or what is something you saw today that really shook your faith? Like really made you question, like, why would someone do that? And then all of a sudden, you know, and there's multiple things. Then you go deeper. It's learning how to ask questions better. And we we just get satisfied when someone's like, good. Or when we pick them up from, say, their class at church. What you learn about today? Stuff like what? Jesus. What did he do? Died on a cross and rose from the grave. And not to diminish that, because that's ultimately everything we believe, but that's not what we teach every week. There's so much more in those books that we teach, but we, we come to accept that. And, it, and then, you know, you need to ask, well, what does that mean for you? What, you know, Jesus died on the cross, what does that mean? The fact that he walked out here, what does that mean to you? And it, it's great when we talk about, you look at Deuteronomy and it says, you know, in the context of theirs, when you go about your day, when you're eating, when you're lying down, you know, all these things. The context, when you look at it, was cultural. If we look at it for us, it's, okay, when we put our kids to bed or when we're having a meal or when they get up in the morning or getting ready for school, how do we send them about our day? And then when we're in the car, how do we talk to our kids? We can all ask questions, but we're willing to accept the fine stuff and like, no, it's more than that. We all know because we've all been down our road. There's so much more to it. Yeah, and, you know, Sean, I'm going to jump backwards to your question about the um, elderly person. Dude, they got grandkids. They yep. got great grandkids yep. and a lot of times um, some of you know, it's it's actually hard now to find three generations in the same congregation where it's grandparents, parents and children. And so there's often a gap where it's grandparents, no parents showing up. So you know what? Pick up the phone, call your kids, your grandkids, ask them how their day was. I, I think the discipleship can happen. Um, well, I would get so excited to see grandparents intentionally discipling their grandchildren mm-hmm. um, in lieu of maybe their parents or their children not discipling their grandchildren for them. Uh, there, there is always a place. If you're alive, if God hasn't taken you home yet, in other words, if you have air in your lungs, you got an opportunity to serve him, glorify him, and and make disciples. And that's that was his commission to us. And, and let's say this, and you and I as pastors, we've been in this position many, many times. You're at the end of life with someone and they're sitting on their deathbed or whatever and they reflect and, you know, this is people that have made millions of dollars, have owned multiple homes, have taken trips all around the world and they're like, my life had no purpose. Like I did nothing with my life because they sold themselves short so often spiritually. Like I had nothing left to, I had nothing to give. I mean, I d- when my time's up, whether it be tomorrow or 25 years from now, I want to look back and know that with the people that I served, the people that were in my my life, I did my best to show them Jesus, to teach them about Jesus, to leave them better in the way I found them. That's what I always say. Leave people better in the way you found them. And the only way you can do that is to show Jesus. And so it, when you look at people, you know, if I'm pouring Jesus into my wife, she's going to be better off being married to me. If I'm pouring Jesus into my kids, then they're better off as me as a father. In this congregation, if I'm pouring myself in the people, then they're better off because I'm showing Jesus. And then ultimately our community, you know, it's it's sad to watch people reflect on life and realize I didn't make one disciple. 
Yeah, you know, the, the best funerals have nothing to do with the stuff people had or the places they went. Yep. It's the impact they had on other people's lives. And, Absolutely. and some of the hardest things, some of the most difficult moments in ministry or you're sitting with a family and you're asking about their loved one that just passed and they can't come up with anything to tell you, mm-hmm. which means they took this gift of life that God had given them. They, they have the mission that Christ has left the people with his teach them all I've taught you while you make them disciples and they did nothing with their 60, 70, 80 years. The, the, the best thing somebody could say is, hey, they liked a cup of coffee. You know, like that, that's heartbreaking. Like that is awful, awful tragedy. Yeah, your life's already short. It says it's but a vapor, and the only thing you can be known for is what you liked. Yeah. Not what you did or who you impacted. And on the other hand, you know, those celebrations were, as a pastor, you got to like stop people from talking because all they do is say, hey, so and so was so meaningful in my life. They taught me this, they mentored me this way, or they showed they were so kind, generous. Those are the things you're like, man, that's a life well worth lived. Yeah. And if there, and, and one of the things that hit me, the tag on that, and this is more personal, when I was 10 years old, my grandfather was suddenly taken, like he died. And he wasn't an outspoken man, meaning he wasn't going to get up and like hit you over the head with the Bible. He knew what he believed and he lived it out like constantly. I remember one time we were on a trip and there was a family he wanted us to meet because when he drove a truck, he stopped and helped him one time. And I remember as we drove up, up a hill to go to the cemetery, I looked out the back window as a 10 year old. I still remember this and I saw the number of cars still turning. And I remember saying, I hope I affect that many people in my lifetime. Because the man, he wasn't a Bible scholar by any means, but he knew what he believed and he put people first and he tried to make people better as a result. And so I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And I, you know, that circle it all back. That's what discipleship is. Absolutely. That's why it's vulnerable people living together. Yep. And we want to get people to spend time together with the intention of pointing each other, encouraging each other in our relationship um, with God through Jesus. Yep. And I know, so we're, we're going to wrap up here soon, but I, I, this thought hit me and I want I think we should chat about it for a couple of seconds is the idea that if, if we're being discipled, um, there's going to be some things in our lives that get caught up or they get called out that like, this isn't like we talk about this, like be disciples, go make disciples. It sounds like this cool, this fun, this whatever thing to go do. But like, there's going to be times where this, if we're doing this right and we're actually truly being discipled or we're truly discipling somebody, there's going to be some hard conversations. There's going to be some things that we look back and it's, it's not, this isn't going to all be easy. Yeah. I think, and that's why it's important for us when we were coming up with our core values to use the word vulnerable. Because it's not real unless it's real. Mm. It's not real discipleship unless we're dealing with real issues people are going through. And so as we're making disciples, somebody's going to look at us and they're going to tell us struggles they have. They're going to knock our socks off. And sometimes we're going to have struggles. We got to tell somebody that are going to knock their socks off. But, you know, I think we have to remember how, you know, Jesus had some pretty crazy situations. Tax collectors, thieves, prostitutes, is political zealots. He had all kinds of people that came to him with all kinds of different brokenness. And in grace, he continually pointed them to restoration in God. He never looked at him and went, whoa, that's too much for me to handle. But I think also on the flip side of Jesus having grace for those folks, look at all the times where he called out his disciples. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, there's how many times in, in the Gospels where he's like, have you guys not been paying attention to anything for three years? Dude, he called Peter Satan. Yeah. He's like, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Like, that's awful. And he would also, while he would show grace and a desire to be in a relationship, he would say, hey, go and sin no more. 
Like, look, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. Stop doing it. Live a life that's honoring to God. We have a relationship. And, and that's that's not all to say, hey, you know, as we get through the series and you start to go to disciple people, make sure that you're yelling at them and you're telling them how bad they are. That, that's not what we're saying. But you have to be willing. If you see somebody who is doing something not Christ-like, you have to be able to, in a Christ-like way, call them up from that. Well, and I think where the church has failed is that when people fail, we've abandoned them in the past. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't give up on us. Mm -hmm. So when we're making disciples, we can't give up on them. And if we're truly going to make disciples and impact people's lives and pour into them, like Pastor Brian said, then we're going to see their real life. And everybody, I don't care who you are, everybody's real life is messy. So, right, we can't yell at them. We can't walk away from them. We look at them, and, and sometimes the answer is, man, I wish I could save you from this. I can't. I'm just going to walk with you through it. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be here. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to tell you what God, I think God thinks, but I can't save you from it. Hmm. Pastor Brian, any closing thoughts? No, I think the biggest thing is, is as believers, you've heard us throw the word out, they're vulnerable. It's just got to be real. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I know I can only speak for where we're at because it's our church. We're real. Like, I mean, you alluded to the fact yesterday about brokenness and stuff you've walked through to our church and how it's difficult. Like, do we are broken people. Now, we have the opportunity to be in front of people because of where God's called us, but we're still human. We're still trying to navigate life just like everyone else. And, you know, that means sometimes you got to scold people or we need to be scolded. Sometimes you got to hug people and we need a hug. Um, that's part of doing life together because nobody has it down perfect. And if they did, then they would be called Jesus. And so there was only one of him, and which means there's a lot of us that are just like the Peters, the Johns, and the Thomases, um, the guys that we like to laugh at at times. We're just like them. And uh, we have to remember the people around us are just like them. But you know what the God said to do? Love them. Love them where they're at. Feed my sheep, tend my flock, feed yep. my sheep. Love them. Um, because here's the thing. Uh, Jesus walked through the earth, and he said that people were hopeless and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. And he said, therefore, go. The harvest is plentiful. In other words, go show them something different. Because this, with the Pharisees and Sadducees and everything, they were doing the Sanhedrin, they were oppressing the people spiritually. He's like, nah, it's not about that. There's, there's freedom in, in knowing me. And so I think we have to remember that, once again, if people are not better off as a result of knowing you as a believer, then the question is, are you really making disciples? Are you really living out what you're supposed to do? So people get beat up enough. We can't do it. Yep. Miss Chad? No, nothing left. I, I wish I could find a way to work Reese cups in here so that you guys yes. would be encouraged to continue to bring them to me. Between so all I lifetime. would just say is um, thank you for Reese cups, and it shows me that you love me. <laughs> That's how I know I'm appreciated. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, guys, we're excited for this new series on discipleship, and uh, it's going to take us through the end of May, and then when we get into summer, we're going to do some other stuff. But um, if you are somebody from Augensville Church, we're excited to do this with you. If you're not somebody from Augensville Church, feel free to swing by some Sunday. We've got services at 9 and 1030, uh, or check out our website, augensvillechurch.com. Uh, we'll, we'll post all these sermons on discipleship, and uh, whether you go here or not, I think that this is going to be some good stuff. It's going to be good to go through and, and grow together. So... Um, with that, thanks for stopping in for another episode of Hey Gang. I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure when we'll talk to you again, but we'll come back at some point. So thanks for listening, guys.